Welcome to episode 12 of the Symphony Electronic Music Show, brought to you by the Coastal Electronauts here in Dusty Whitstable. My name's Peter Coit, coming to you from the Sonic Shed. I'm joined by Clive Walpole, across town in his burned circuit synth cave. And tonight we're pleased to welcome our special guest, electronic musician, composer, MD of ambient electronic label Din Records, and maestro of the modular synths, Ian Body. Welcome, Ian. Hello, yeah. I had fast me on. So you just moved into your new studio? Uh, yes, I've been in a rather small room uh, where I live in my partner's house for the last couple of years while we kind of moved things around. The whole house is a bit like a tangram kind of <laughs> puzzle where we have to move one room to move the other room. And it, it, we eventually got space in this bigger room, which is about 21 square metres and... Um, over a course of two or three days, I had to move everything. But it wasn't a very big move. It was only about 20 feet. It was better than taking it all in a van somewhere. And then, obviously, the big job of getting it all to be wired up again and making sure it all works. And it's, uh, it's great. You've got some great stuff in there. You've got the, your BCS3 and your Surge yes. system. <laughs> a Roland System 100M, which you probably can't see from your Zoom picture, is in the, co- the corner there, uh, VCS3. There's a big surge system behind me, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which is very nice. And over on the other side, there's all these Moogs, the Moog, um, Mini Moog, the original Mini Moog, a Voyager, um, uh, Matriarch, lots of nice instruments. I'm glad you say Moog. And I've got room to walk about in, yes. <laughs> and, and you've got room to walk about in. So tonight you've chosen some pieces of music that have influenced and meant something to you over the years. And uh, we're starting off with a track from Tangerine Dream, Mysterious Semblance at the Strand of Nightmares. And it's built built from like Mellotron improvisations. Yeah, I think it's uh, Dear Departed Edgar Froza on the... Um, mm. on uh, and uh, it's 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 important for me because I think I mentioned to you it's literally the first piece of space music electronic music that I heard. I must have been fourteen or fifteen. It literally was on the Alan Freeman show on uh, BBC One, the air, air air radio show on a Saturday afternoon. So you're looking at mainstream air air, air radio. How on earth would that ever get played now? And I heard this, and it was like, yeah. what is this? The phasers, the sound effects, <laughs> the Mellotron, of course. I had never heard anything quite like it. So this is Mysterious Semblance at the Strand of Nightmares.
phaser comes in. That's just the... Um, uh, the story goes that I think his uh, first wife, who obviously passed away, after, uh, she um, was controlling the, air, the the controls on that. So while Edgar was playing the keyboard, she actually was sweeping the, the, the phaser. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it's a nice story if it is true. It's such an emotional piece as well, isn't it? Yeah, well, you can imagine when I was a, for a 14 or 15-year-old, I wasn't quite sure how old I was. I think it, I think it was out in 1974. To hear that on mainstream BBC One, it was like, wow, what? I had to find out what. It it didn't even sound as though it was made on this planet, let alone by a human being. It was such (laughs) a huge effect. That that and also a piece by Klaus Schulze, uh, uh, Von Fried, I heard the end of that on another local radio show. Those two pieces really kick-started my whole interest in electronic music, Mm. I think. I suppose they they had... um Tubular Bells uh, as a sort of precedent just before that, which uh, enabled more interesting stuff to be be played. Yeah, I, I get. Well, of course, that, that was the first thing on Virgin Records. I think mm. Theatre and uh, uh, Rubicon came out on Virgin later. But yes, the fact that you could actually release an instrumental album and it was actually uh, commercially successful was a um, quite a surprise, I think, at the time. Mm. Pity it's yeah. not quite like, quite like that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably. So next we have a, a track by Vangelis, the Blade Runner end titles, which, uh, I mean, Vangelis is similar to Tangerine Dream. He uses, like, an ostinato sequence often. Um, well, he is, and he, is and he isn't. I mean, tan- Tangerine Dream, the whole German lot, the, the space music feel. Vangelis never really did the space music feel. I mean, mm. Vangelis is one mm. of those totally unique uh, musicians. He's got his own sound. It's, it's uh, His pieces... By and large, you can tell it's Vangelis straight away. Yeah. And I chose this piece because music to picture has always been very much of interest to me and important to me. And I remember seeing the Blade Runner film when it first came out, which again was that was that 1984? I can't remember now. I can't remember. And I saw one of the big screens down south and I sat with my friend. And yes, the film was an amazing experience and the music was wonderful. And at the end, everybody just got up and left, and we sat there with this incredible piece of music played. Yeah. Uh, we were just totally transfixed by it, which is so. The, yeah, well, it was, it was completely it's, part it's, of the film, wasn't it? It was, it was uh, yeah. mixed yeah, in with the, the soundtrack and the foley. Yeah. It is, and it's kind of his signature sound as well, isn't it? Maybe. It's one of those unique soundtracks. Was that using CS80? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's got CS CS80 on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and but he was—I anyway. mean, he—he's his sort of technique of of writing was improvising as well, wasn't it? He, he'd improvise to the uh, picture, he'd have his own setup with the CS80 and other other synths and stuff. And he, I read that he played the uh, tapes at half speed so he could get more time on them. So this is Blade Runner End Titles by Vangelis.
changes the synths like an orchestra, doesn't it? It does, it does, yeah. And, and yes, I think there was quite a bit of CS80 on there, especially that bendy, the pitch bendy thing at the end there. Oh, yeah. So we're going on to an actual orchestral piece next with um, Estonian composer Arvo Peart. Mm-hmm. Cantus in memory of Benjamin Britten. Yeah, I, I wanted to choose one piece of uh, classical um, uh, music, and I mean classical in the broadest sense of the terms. I've, I've always been influenced. I mean, I can mention J.S. Bach, uh, uh, Debussy. Composers like this are very important to me. And this piece of music particularly, it's not one of his better-known ones, but it's almost synthetic in the way he uses the orchestral strings. There's, there's quite, there's a, it, it, it slowly descends in there's different musical lines going at different speeds. It, so it, it's almost electronic, but it's not. It's a string orchestra, and it's very emotional. <laughs> it's beautiful and has a melancholic feel. It seems simple, but it's not as simple as you think. And mm. it's something I've used, a technique I've used in pieces before where there's several musical lines playing at different, different speeds, and it has a, a nice effect. Yeah, he, he has his uh, the tentabulary uh, yeah. sort of, uh, method of, of like, uh, peeling bells. Yes. Well, right at the very, very, very end of the last mm. chord stops, you can just hear the decay of a bell. Mm. It's a very... So somebody must have just played the very soft bell and it just decays away. It's a beautiful um, point in the piece, if, if we get that far. <laughs>
amazing. Yeah, it's lovely. Oh. Yeah, the bell at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, those dense last chords put a phaser on that, and we're almost back to mysterious <laughs> semblance at the Strand of Nightmares. Exactly, yeah. 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 yeah, it put me in mind a bit of uh, Samuel Barber as well, that sort of vibe. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, he had, a, he had a strong affinity to Benjamin Britten and was, was um, upset that he, had, he didn't get to meet him before he died. So that was... Uh, oh, I didn't uh, realise that. But, I mean, that, as I said, it's not his, his best-known piece, but I wanted to tie it in with how sometimes in classical pieces of music, orchestral pieces of music, there's elements of what the textures you might want to create in electronics. Yeah. Mm. How, how, so there's a, there's, if they're not complete... To, to me, they don't exist in different worlds. There's a lot no. of crossover. Well, the, uh, the so-called minimalists... Uh, sort of movement is is, is very influential well, in electronic music. Steve Reich, Philip Glass are very. I yeah. could have easily chosen one of their pieces as well, but I chose that one. And we played a, we played a, a Ligeti track um, around a few weeks ago, and uh, yep, Ligeti as well. And li- 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 using his, his, it was Glissandi. It was one of his few um, electronic pieces. Mm. But uh, with those those note, note clusters and. Micro polyphonies, sort of in a similar it's area. It's incredible. The textures from an orchestra, he, he, he gets. It's not electronic music, but it, it's kind of in the same. It creates those weird, strange moods. It's, it's very mm. unsettling at times. I suppose the difference um, between Arvo Pert is that he comes from a more a spiritual, religious aspect yes. rather than the conceptual yes. standpoint. Mm. But they end up in a similar place. So um, we're going on to a. Uh, so to uh, Niels Fram mm. next says says I, I, I want to do uh, obviously electronic music like every genre of music it's, it, it evolves I could we, we could sit here all night and we could play the classic uh, 70s and 80s albums by all the artists we know and love but I wanted yeah. to ha- include a piece by a more modern composer a more contemporary composer who was doing something a little different perhaps with elect- electronics mm. and this piece it, for me, it shows the power of what chords can do. Mm. It's a repetitive arpeggio that doesn't seem to be going anywhere, and suddenly it just bursts into this glorious series of arpeggiated chords that just tears at your heart. I've seen mm. him play live, and he's wonderful live. He's a very a wonderful performer on stage. Yeah. And with electronic music, sometimes it's all great having abstract stuff, but sometimes it's just that... The power of chords is, and I use chords a lot in what 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 I play. So I've always I've always loved I've always loved this yeah. piece. He held the um, Albert Hall on his own with this, with this piece, which I saw was mm. it last year. Yeah, amazing. So this, this is called Says. Says.
was a very good end. It's so emotional, isn't it? It, there's so much emotion in it. I, I don't know if you know, you, you, you may have heard, this, he, uses tape, he uses a lot of tape echoes. I think when yeah. I saw him at the stage up here, I counted something like six or seven tape echo machines on, on, on stage. And um, he does this trick where he has the top off the tape echo, so you've got the, 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 the loop of tape going around, and he physically presses on the plate, yeah. which, make, which bends the pitch. Of the, of, of the echo, you get these kind of slightly detuned. That's why he's yeah, getting those extra bits of detuning de- <laughs> going on. Yeah, it's amazing. Quite a very f- physical performance when you see him play that, which yeah. of course is great. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, that's one of the problems performance of that. Yeah, he, he was just elbowing and yeah. nudging the, <laughs> the tape echo, wasn't he? And absolutely. Yeah, great. As he play, he must be playing. Um, I mean, he's obviously there's Juno sixty is the. Uh, a, I think he's got. I think he's got three or four um, layers of, of, of echo, mm. and it's it's kind of in threes. But there's all sorts of weird kind of timings going on. It, it, it's it's obviously an, ar- an ar- ar- arpeggiator, and then he's changing the chords of the arpeggiator. And he's playing. It's just a wonderfully simple piece in some ways, but packed with with passion. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard that before, Clive? I've not heard that one. No, that was a new one. Yeah. Good. So moving on to some. Uh, Tracks from Din artists. Mm, that'd be nice. <laughs> and starting with uh, Devox. Yeah, Devox is a couple of guys, Paul and uh, Nino, who got in touch with me with a demo um, really out of the blue. Mm. And um, I get sent quite a lot of demos, as you can imagine. And I'll be honest, most of them aren't that great. <laughs> <laughs> but this first track, which I think we're going to play, um, um, Opera, it just blew me away. And it's it's got some similarities to the Sayers track we just heard in terms of the arpeggiators. It's not quite as full-on as that, but again, the beautiful harmonic progression of the arpe- arpeggiator, which gives it a lot of uh, emotion. So it's a wonderful track. Yeah, this is a D-box opera. <laughs> Thank you. 
Back onto the tube. Mm, it's pretty nice, that. Really. Yeah, I should explain. Uh, 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 telegraph the album it's from, Data 57. Each of the tracks segues with a um, recording from a subway or a tube station all over the world. So the whole thing's like a, um, a subway uh, uh, journey between all these different imaginary yeah. stations. Right. Very clever. Very nice. There's, there's a... Yeah. Very lovely emotional melodic com- uh, content to that, isn't it? Well, again, it's 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 the typical sort of synthesizer ostinato pattern, but it's not just an ostinato pattern. It harmonically moves around, which mm. makes it far more emotional and interesting, I think. Yeah, and they're using all, all modular. That's pretty much all modular. I think there's there's some samples in there which are played back from uh, modular, but yeah. Devox mm. certainly on one one of these uh, new. Um, Groups of musicians who are using modular a lot more to the fore. That's mm. mm. yeah, great. Really nice. I'll have to listen to more. So we have a another track uh, uh, by Blue Tech from your mm. label, chap even Bartholomew from San Diego. Yep. Yeah, although I think he's moved now, but um, Evans Blue Tech's more in uh, just uh, all the genres. He's, he's more in a sort of the DJ EDM dance kind of vibe, I guess. Um, than out-and-out electronic uh, music, but I've known about his music for quite a while. He's done a lot of stuff, played a lot of shows, quite a popular musician, in, certainly in the States. Again, he got in touch with me on this um, opening track to his Liquid Geometry's album. Uh, it's about, te- about textures. It's a beautiful, beautiful melding. It's quite subtle. It's like waves build up, and it's a beautifully textured piece. And Bardo... That's from uh, Tibetan Buddhism, isn't it? Like the yeah, where you... b- b- border waves. The truck's called. <sighs>
very cinematic, isn't it? Yeah, love those. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact it references the Berlin School sequencing side of things, but it's a unmistakably modern sounding uh, pr- pr- production. Mm. So it's, quite, it's, it's referencing the past, but it's bringing it right up into what you can do now. And I, I really like that kind of vibe. Yeah, it's quite a sort of multiplex of different sounds, isn't it, coming in. So we're coming on to a piece by Ian Boddy. I can't remember which one I've given you now. <laughs> it's uh, Omicron. All ah, right. Well, actually, there's a tie-in with Evan here, because Evan's just released, he has a... Um, a record label called Behind the Sky Music in the States and he's just released this wonderful Portals double album which references the cos the Cosmisch German sound of the 70s unashamedly yeah. looking back the cover art is beautiful it looks like a it looks like an alternative cover to the the classic Dune science fiction novel by Frank mm-hmm. um, oh, um, Herbert and he gave me the brief for this and I've combined several of the, of the things that you've heard in some of the previous pieces. So there is ostinato patterns, but they do move with chords, so it's a little bit like says in a way. And it has passion in it, I hope. It builds up. It starts off quite a mysterious start. The chords are quite distorted at the start, and I wanted it to really grow to quite a, a climax and then fall back down again. Using a lot of analog gear, the uh, Moog Matriarch gets used a lot on this, and what I often do with the Moog Matriarch is I treat it through the surge, and that's what gives the growliness at the, begin- the beginning, right. and also the beautiful tone of the, um, the arpeggiators is actually treated through the surge. Oh, right. So you're cross-fertilising the synths. Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and the, so Omicron is like, it's, it's a constellation, and it's, and it's uh, an algorithm as well, isn't it? It's a Greek letter. I, I yeah, chose Omicron, it because yeah. he wanted this Portals album to have a sci-fi retro feel. Yeah. And uh, the, I just like the sound of the word. It just mm. sounds like a 70s sci-fi thing. <laughs> so that's why I chose it for... <laughs> well, you, you, you've got to say it in a certain voice, you've got to go, Omicron. There <laughs> <laughs> we go.
see the front cover of that. That Chris Foss <laughs> artwork. Intergalactic. Oh, it's got a lovely phaser on that as well, isn't it? That's... I think, uh, again, cross-populating with stuff, what I sometimes do, there's phasers on the surge, but I sometimes use my old uh, Roland System 100M phasers, and I track mm. things through there, and they're as noisy as hell, but they really have a, a beautiful sound. There's, yeah. there's loads of tape echo on there as well. I have a, I used to have a, um, an RE501, which I foolishly sold in the mid-1990s. Never sell a tape echo, oh. silly old me. So <laughs> quite recently, there's, there's an Australian company called Echofix who have basically done a completely new um, model based on the best bits of the space echoes. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. So I, I actually bought one, one of those. And there's something about tape echo. All the, all the plugins in the world don't quite, don't quite sound like tape, tape echo. Mm. Uh, and I think one of the, one of the things is it's very hard to get the the delay time exactly right. In in a plugin, you can get it within you you you, you can sync it to the clock and it's spot on. Sometimes with tape echo, you've got to do it by feel, hmm. especially when you have more than two two heads doing the tape echo. So you're basically tuning the speed of the tape echo to give the time de de delay based on how it feels to you. And later on, sometimes you think, well, actually, it's not quite in time, but it it kind of works. Yeah. You see that uh, Christian Henson thing, a video about not being able to mix synths in. And, uh, no, I didn't see that. His, his, his last video, but uh, he sort of had a, a theory about the because it's synths are too pure and they're not. Got, you know, you watch; it's quite interesting. But I mean, yeah. But these, your track, all the tracks tonight, they, they, they sound fantastic. Yeah, you know, they, they're all quite lush. Quite, they, they, you know, it's not. It's not just um, one synth playing at a time. It's quite dense in some patches and it's, it just works well, so beautifully going back to the reference of classical mm. air music quite a lot of the time when I create a piece like that you mm. orchestrate it um, mm. and that, that was one of those amazing pieces this doesn't happen very often it just happened just like that in a day the whole, the whole piece just about and it, it started me improvising with the chords I basically did the chords first and once I had the chords, then I could do the arpeggios to follow the chords. And that was a one-off performance because I'm opening filters, I'm increasing the modulation, the vibrato, and then I'm adding other layers and then I'm adding the choir, the choir sounds. And it, you, you orchestrate it. Yeah. But it all started from, I think it's a series, a series of, eight, of eight chords. What was, what was doing the chords, Nat? That was a lovely, thin, stratospheric... Uh, I think it's a mixture. I think there's a couple of... Um, Patches from Omnisphere, they've got a hardware li library sampled in there now, and I think there's some yeah. of the Vocoder Plus sounds. I don't, I don't have a Vocoder Plus, so I, but I used those because uh -huh. they are quite thin. I didn't want them to fill... I wanted the arpeggiator to be almost the main voice. Mm. Uh, I take the uh, Moog Matriarch, and I use what's called the wave... Oh, sorry, the triple wave shaper on the surge, and it just thickens the sound up, sli just slightly thickens the sound up. And I can introduce extra harmonics, and it's just, um, yeah, you've got to orchestrate it. So if, yeah, exactly. if the arpeggio is the main voice, you don't want things to take away from that, so you have to use different mm. textures. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the synths, you've got so many options that you have to, I mean, with an orchestra, obviously, you've got the, every voice has its own area. And, um, you know, you could easily fill up the space, the tone and everything, by just big synth sounds. Like uh, if you use the normal atmosphere sounds, they would be uh, <laughs> quite dense, wouldn't it? 
But yeah, I, I, I find a lot of I find a lot of modern synth sounds are just too much. Mm. Sometimes it's subtle. There was a little bit toward the end of Omicron where the, it had built up to a crescendo and it falls right down. And the paraphonic mode on the Matrox is quite interesting. I'm playing the chords, but it, because it's in uh, the paraphonic mode, which is supposed to be able to play the all four oscillators, but depending on how I voice it, sometimes it misses notes out of the four-note chord. So you were getting maybe just two or two of the notes, or no, maybe, maybe then three. So mm. it's quite a nice subtle effect and subtlety is something um, which is good to use sometimes and often synthesizers don't tend to be subtle they tend to be quite in your face hmm. I think I, quote, I think I mentioned something to somebody recently it's not you should never strive for perfection because it's the imperfections in art which actually make it more interesting exactly yeah that's what's a uh... That is, I think that's driving the whole sort of new analog sort of uh, um, the, 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 the modular synth thing. Yeah. I think it's that. I think it's. I think it's. It's because everyone can build a system that is unique to them. Um, mm. You get all these different uh, modules by different manufac- manufacturers, and everyone can have their own personal system. And there's no real wrong or right. And it's very hands-on, and it's 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 great fun. Mm. Um, and I also like the uh, uniqueness of each performance. Um, a lot of what I do now in my studio, I do, although I do use a door, Ableton Live, I often just treat it like tape and I record the, mo- the modulars and I, I do as a performance. It has to be recorded because I'll never, ever get it the same again. Mm. Yeah, you have to be prepared and, I and record quite, it. I actually quite like that because it forces you into making a decision about what you've recorded, whether to keep it or not. Mm. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, you do, do when you're doing uh, soundtracks, you, it's it's not a great, <laughs> it's not a great sort of tool to use. But that's that's a different vibe. I, I, I do a lot of music for soundtrack work and la- uh, the uh, library music that I do. You want complete reproducibility there because they could come mm. back and say, "Can you change this? Can you give it stems?" Yeah. That's a different discipline altogether. But mm. for my own personal music, what I do on DIN. It's a different. Um, it's a different thing I'm after. Yeah, now I've, tr- I've tried to sort of incorporate that sort of thing, but it is. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've stuck, I've stuck a few bits of surgeon stuff into the uh, into the library music from time to time. Mm. Oh, good. Yes. So we have another track from you. All oh, right. Prague, number Prague one. Number one. This is an all, all modular performance. Um, a very different vibe. This is much more raw on the edge, slightly falling apart at times. Uh, the, you, playing a modular live sometimes is, I liken it to the old circus act of spinning plates on, on sticks and uh, you just get one thing going and another thing starts to fall apart so you have to dash over there and change that. Uh, so it has a very organic, very live. Um, but again, there's passion in there as I opened up the filters and start adding extra modulation. It, it, there's a couple of points where it just, it just seems to get to the perfect point which lasts a few seconds before it changes.
like the field recordings in that yeah there's quite a few I'll use it's, it's, it's all basically one rack it's the make noise seven year rack I think you guys can see it behind my shoulder here and I was in a holiday in Prague with my partner because we love going there it's a wonderful city and I was doing a little talk for the synth library while I was over there and on the veranda one night there's actually a little YouTube video of this performance it was a beautiful night we're overlooking the city of Prague what's not to like and uh I basically played that in one take. It's one, wow. it's one little little rack. Uh, there's field record recordings. The church bell at the beginning I recorded separately. There was a church that was literally right next door to where we lived or where we stayed. And it's very abstract, but you can literally hear me build it piece by piece. You can hear me you're almost putting the bricks in place as I build it and trying like little ideas and suddenly it all kind of, that, those lovely arpeggios, arpe- arpeggios uh, it's actually braids, so it's actually a digital oscillator, but it's a, won- a wonderful thing as braids. The immutability, and you can hear me tearing the waveform. The waveforms, and I wanted that right to be at the foreground, so you could hear the beautiful things that was happening in the waveform. Yeah, and at the end bit, it was sort of like there was it's very pictorial with the different arpeggios uh, and synths just coming in towards the end. It was the same voices because I had the, it's the voice. I, what I did toward the end, there, I slowed. I, I, I put a longer attack on things so it kind of slows things down and I mm. manually change the tempo to get slower and the bass I took up a few octaves so it then wasn't the bass any longer it started to interact with there's lots of semi-random things going on as well so it's not really melodic in the same way that Omicron is but it is actually in a key it's it's, it's um, quantized to a key Yeah. but there's lots of ring modulator things going on that kind of wander around which really aren't in key so that gives it like a it's like it kind of, it almost, ev- at the end is what I call, it musically evaporates from the big <laughs> drum section. It just evaporates before your eyes into mist. Mm. That's a very evocative piece. Thank you. So we're on to the, the last track, uh, by Scanner. Ah, uh-huh, yes. The Ascent. Robin, yeah, yes. Um, obviously, <laughs> everyone knows the pandemic is causing chaos for musicians playing live. Mm. And Robin took an active, he took an active decision. He, all his concerts, like all my concerts, and lots of musicians have been cancelled. He decided to do um, a streamed video of him playing live, and it was very well planned and very well ex- executed. And I, I was listening to this, and I've known Robin for a while, and um, I thought this is great. <laughs> I basically contacted him that night and said, if you could do more music like that, we could put that out in din. And he sort of went, yeah, okay. So <laughs> he left. He left the setup he had used for the streamed concert. And over the next week, he recorded about seventy or eighty minutes worth of tracks and sent them over to me. And I curated 
a running order which he agreed with and we put up the, uh, the, uh, the album oh, fantastic I mean, yeah I watched that performance did. that was that was a, that was the Sonic yeah. State super booth wasn't it and uh, yeah he just he just seems to master any synth that put in front of him he's a very uh, ta- he's a very talented guy and very nice and mm. very easy to work with and um this piece, this piece would never have happened if it hadn't have been for this peculiar set of circumstances that we all find ourselves in. Meeting across the uh, Zoom waves. Yeah. So this is uh, from Scanner's new album out on DIN Records. It's uh, The Ascent.
nostalgic tape type textures there, aren't they? Yes, it reminds me of the um, reminds me of the old tape delay experiments I used to do when I first started out, uh, which was a long time ago, <laughs> using two tape recorders and the sort of Frippertronics kind of thing, where it kind of it's very mm. dreamlike kind of quality to it as well, which I really like. Yeah, yeah, and that lovely sort of double bass mm. sound is, is, is on the bed of it. It's a yes. great track, isn't it? He's another person that really he seems to get the emotional content. Emotion is very important. Mm. I think um, music. I'm not going to, you know, there's, there's no real rules or wrongs or rights, but I always feel with music, the composer should have something to say and mm. should try. It's a form of communication after all. And uh, so emotions are a very important part of that. All the pieces you've chosen tonight have, have got that element to them. And they've all got an element of uh, improvisation and expression um, and, and the musical emotion. Mm. I think that's, that's sort of a, if there's a thread, that's, that's what I've got from it. Good, that's very interesting. <laughs> Excellent. That was really nice, Ian. Really nice selection. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for, ask, for asking me on. Hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah. Some really great tracks and uh, some pieces I hadn't... And heard. That's what I like uh, about this show. We we learn so much, don't we? From, well, that's always good. Music. It's always good to expose people to new um, mm. um, music because there is a there's a heck of a lot of it out there, and you can you can't possibly listen to it all in your lifetime. So it's always good to find new things. Thanks very much, Ian. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Thanks again for listening. Fantastic choices from great Ian Body. Yeah, fantastic sounds there from Ian. So tune in next week for some more electronic meanderings and noodlings yes past present and future sounds and join us on Facebook at Coastal Electronauts carry on the conversation there yes please do we'd love to hear from everyone and we'll see you next week bye bye